0: Welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast, a podcast designed for you with insights from fellow members, as well as NFT and Partners Financial experts.
1: Hi, welcome to the Partners Financial Podcast. Happy 2023 to all of you. Thank you for joining us and kicking the year off in the right way, of course. I'm Kristen Williams, and today I am joined by two people who need no introduction, but I'll do it anyway. We have Armstrong Robinson, the Chief Advocacy Officer at Finseca, and the fabulous Jen Fox, who is the Vice President of Political Affairs. Thank you both for making the time and starting our new year off right. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, it's good to be here. Happy New Year.
1: Happy New Year to you guys. Um, I've already warned you, but I'm going to do it anyway. I just want to indulge my own curiosity and talk to you about the McCarthy speaker election that's happening right now, the multiple ballots. I know by the time this podcast goes live to everybody, that will hopefully be settled. But I can't have two experts on, on the podcast without picking your brains a little bit about what's going on and the fact that we haven't been in this place for about 100 years. So Army and Jen, if you want to start and tell me, Jen, you said you have the TV on right now. Um, (laughs) What What are your thoughts and takes on on what's happening? Well, most of my
0: favorite TV shows are currently in um, hiatus for the holidays, so this is a great replacement for that. um, Watching the McCarthy Show, I think we're on the sixth round of votes here. Um, I'm not sure when this podcast is going to be published, but Army and I are both hopeful we will have a speaker before. Our advanced markets meeting in March. So hopefully your podcast will be live before then. Um, but I think really for us, what we're seeing is this is the um, sort of continuous of the infighting that has happened on the, in the Republican party. And it's for me, as I look at it, is this pull more to the left and we're seeing it on the right, is pull more to the right. So you're seeing the sides of the party pull um, both sides, both parties pull to both sides. Um, and it's really hard to, to get folks to meet in the middle. And unfortunately for us, that brings everything to Washington, D.C. in a standstill until uh, we have a speaker here in D.C. But Army, I know you've spent a ton of time on the Hill. Uh, do you miss your days on the Hill today?
2: I ran into some old friends today, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm glad not to be responsible for any of this mess. <laughs> um, listen, it's the best season of C-SPAN anybody's ever seen. Um the vote count dictates. I mean, those of you who know me said, no, this is one of my aphorisms about legislative politics. And Republicans have a 222-seat majority, which means a four-seat margin. And what's ironic is we spend all this time nationally talking about the United States Senate and the power of the minority and the individual senator. But even in that body, a tiny, tiny minority, like 2% of the body cannot wag the tail of the rest. And yet in this one peculiar moment in the uh in the process of the House of Representatives that's in fact what is allowed to happen a minority of five people can dictate to the rest uh what is going to happen um you know the members elect the 80 new members of congress that jen and her team are responsible for introducing to the financial security profession um their staff can't even use email yet because they're still members elect they haven't been sworn in um and so it's a re- I mean, we are watching history um, uh, and it's a really, really fascinating, fascinating process. But a lot of the the substantive demands of the 20 are things that the other 200 Republicans don't want.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And they're, they're literally trying to dictate to the rest uh, what will be. And so uh, push is coming to shove, but we haven't broken through yet.
1: OK, so I don't know if you have this pull um historical fact at your fingers, but, you know, Jen, you were saying we're hoping that by March we have a speaker. What is sort of the longest that this uncertainty has gone, historically speaking? Um, so in 19 in
0: actually 1855 and 1856, it took one hundred and thirty three separate votes for Representative Nathaniel Banks of Massachusetts to become elected um, and not by a majority, actually that was the longest. Um, But the only reason why I know that is because the only reason why we're looking into this, right? No one, this is not a common problem as we think about. Of course, you saw in 2021, um, Nancy Pelosi only got 216 votes. Um, Again, majority because there's folks that weren't there or voted present. Um, But as we think about this is most of the time what we see is folks come to this conversation ready to go. Um, Mm
2: -hmm. The
0: role of the speaker is to set the agenda and to get the agenda moving and whip those votes and make sure everyone is in line. Um, So as we think about this role, it's important, you know, if you show your chops on the front side, uh, then you'll receive that role. So I think that's what we're, that's why we're seeing this here. So hopefully we don't go to 133 separate votes. Um, My, then my TV shows will have restarted. So,
1: but Yes. And, you know, it, this isn't
2: the first time this has happened to McCarthy, right? Sadly for him. Well, that's right. So if you remember the Freedom Caucus on Earth. So listen, the the Speaker of the United States House, it was for 200 plus years, the second most powerful person in Washington after the president of the United States. And for those 200 years, that was because all those men and then one woman, Nancy Pelosi, could produce 218 votes to declare Kristen's hair purple Mm -hmm. and second purple, if you will, just Mm -hmm. like mine. Um, And the House Freedom Caucus broke that in the House Republican majority that began in 2011. And ultimately in 2016, 2015, Oh, my years, are maybe it's 2017. No, it's definitely 16. Um, All those years are running together. You remember they forced John Boehner out and Kevin McCarthy was the heir apparent. He didn't have the votes and ultimately stepped back. And that's when they recruited Paul Ryan to come in. And in that case, the Freedom Caucus of that time was satisfied having gotten rid of John Boehner and prevented Kevin McCarthy. And so they accepted Paul Ryan. It's not clear today uh, whether that will be enough this time. So we've got to work our way through this process.
1: So I was I was thinking about it as I've been reading all of the, the articles and watching the, the C-SPAN and the news, you know. Clearly, Jen, my shows are on hiatus as well. We haven't really had this since the Civil War. And I think it's interesting because you were saying, Jen, that, you know, what we've seen is a pull to extremism on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, the Civil War is an extreme example of that. And I'm not suggesting that we're going to end up in that position, but it makes me wonder how are we going to legislate? Let's say we end up with the speaker. Maybe it's McCarthy. Maybe it's they pull a security guard and elect him. Like, who knows who it's going to be, right? But how do you elect? there's there's this notion as I've been talking to people after the election that, we may see better governance now because we have a divided House and Senate and White House divided government. And so, you know, we maybe we'll see some sanity return. And that doesn't feel like it's happening. So both of you sort of, what do you think this sort of implies for the possibility of legislation going forward in the next year or so?
0: You know, as I think about this, Kristen, is um, at the end of the day, we're uh, probably what, 600 days away from the 2024 election, um, and to return home to your voters and say, we accomplished nothing. Are you proud of us? It's not what any lawmaker wants, um, whether you're a Democrat or Republican or independent. Um, we have a pretty competitive Senate, Senate map as well, and the Senate needs the House to get things done. So I think you're definitely going to see eventually some legislation. Um, is it going to be done this year? Maybe, maybe not, or maybe they'll be in a crunch period early next year where. Uh, All of a sudden, we need to put something on our rolls to say we've accomplished and we've done this together. So I definitely certainly think we'll see something. Um, But I definitely on the other side, the White House, of course, um, will legislate by pen and phone. So, you know, utilizing the regulations.
2: Yikes. Um, (laughs) Listen, the, 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 the federal government, the U.S. federal government is the largest, most complex organization ever known to man. Um, and even if they do quote unquote, nothing, uh, they will spend trillions of dollars and make millions of decisions that affect people's lives. And it's sort of the, the doing nothing is sort of what garners the attention. Right. And in terms of major legislating, I think that will be somewhat limited, right? Like there will be, uh, we're going to have to deal with the debt limit. We, there will have to be dealing with the appropriations process. There are bills that expire, uh, tax and healthcare, principally at the September 30th date and the 1231 date. Uh, there's a farm bill that's due for reauthorization that sets a lot of policy. I know all our callers at some level or another like to eat. The mm-hmm. farm bill is important to food. Um, and then the the FISA piece has to be uh, reauthorized. Uh, national security surveillance. Uh, there's great debate that will come along that. And then you know crisis or recession response. Those are the things that drive the major things. But there will still be other like bipartisan things that they will vote on and move through and the president will sign bills. And so we'll see. Um, There's certainly uh, two years to go. But I think, you know, there are uh, a lot of questions and that's why you saw uh, the the omnibus uh, appropriations end of year package before Christmas that included the Secure Act, which I know we're gonna talk about, or Secure 2.0, come together is because uh, they wanted to try to get a lot of the things off the table because of the very narrow majority uh, that uh, Kevin McCarthy and the House Republicans are operating with. So is there a weird sort of benefit to it? To your
1: point, Army there's a lot of stuff that just happens. Stuff needs to be renewed. We need to fund the government. It doesn't maybe get quite as much attention on the national news or, you know, so we're just keeping the government running sort of as it is and renewing things. But then also you can go home and say, well, I stopped so-and-so from doing this thing that my constituents agreed was was a bad thing to have happen. Some of the maybe more major legislation, like it feels as though there's become power in, I stopped it. I didn't do a thing, but I stopped a thing.
2: Well, and depending on where you're from, right, Jen, like it it all sort of like you look at the 20 members who have spent yesterday and today voting against Kevin McCarthy. And I I haven't studied the full list, like in deep detail. There's a couple of members elect in there. Uh, but with two exceptions I can think of, they are from districts that are exactly like you um. Uh, like you described, Kristen, Chip Roy, for example, from your home state of Texas. Um, and he is from a place where stopping things is part of his brand and probably helps him. Now, I think Lauren Bovert, uh from Colorado, uh, who occasionally makes national headlines, and Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, both represent districts that that are are more evenly balanced. And it certainly seems at the moment like they're willing to lose their seats over the principle they think they're pursuing in this in this regard.
1: So I, I think we've probably indulged my intellectual curiosity enough in my political nerdiness. Um, so I'd like to, before we lose all of our listeners, ask you guys about Secure 2.0 that you mentioned, Army. You know, Jen, I know that you guys were really involved or in getting that forward because of your mission of, you know, financial security for everybody. And there's a large part of that in Secure 2.0. So can we start first by just what are some of the highlights in that legislation that really are applicable to our industry and, you know, partners, financial members?
0: So I like to say um, this piece of legislation helps folks at the beginning of their careers and all the way to the end, um, really increasing Uh, retirement savings, whether it be lowering costs for folks, for businesses to start to offer qualified plans, um, facilitating auto enrollment for employees and lowering, you know, barriers to entry. But the other side, um, uh, if you think about the spectrum, allowing folks, um, businesses to to match 401k payments to student loan repayment. And then I think the one that matters most to our members in in most cases is uh, increasing the RMD age. So allowing folks to save longer for retirement those are just some of the highlights, but Army, I'm I'm sure you have some more that come to mind for you.
2: No, I think that was really well said. I mean, I think there are a variety of tools. And as we think about this, um, the more people who are saving earlier and saving more, the more people who will be ready and ripe as potential clients for partners, financial members. I mean, that's not an immediate impact, uh, but it is as we as we, in Reagan's words, uh rising tide lift all boats, and we bring more people in, like Jen mentioned, uh, the auto enrollment and the student lending are not going to dramatically uh affect a lot of partners members right at this stage. But future generations of partners members will benefit from the fact that people started saving at 22 instead of at 32 or 42. In which it's a lot more difficult the rmd piece is a big one rollover of 529s will create some planning opportunities um the emergency savings account will hopefully over time lead to less leakage out of their retirement accounts which again is more opportunity to manage rollover business Um, so there's a lot of really interesting things and there's a um it's part of nfp's uh, uh, enterprise membership we've got a deep dive coming out tuesday Uh, upcoming. So you'll be able to dig through all the different provisions. Alex Kim and Josh Karen are currently working through that right now.
1: That sounds great. Thank you. Um, And we'll definitely be promoting that in LinkedIn and social as well. Um, Is there a 3.0? Have we done all of the things that we think we should be doing? And are we going to sort of let this settle for a while? Or or are there other things on the list that would be instrumental in sort of shoring up retirement planning?
0: Well, you remember it took us how long to get secure one done army, 10 years,
2: longer than that. Six, 10 TBD. If you count all the way back to the original Portman Carden, that was like the mid aughts. So depends on where you start the count as always, but it it took a while. Mm -hmm.
0: So then you look, now we got secure 2.0 done in a fairly short period of time from 2019. Um, The thing I I would tell our listeners to keep in mind is we lost a lot of our champions. Um, Senator Portman retired. Um, You know, uh, Congressman Kevin uh, Brady in in Texas, of course, was chairman of Ways and Means during Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. The folks who truly like embodied retirement um, and the the passion for retirement security have left Congress. So really what we're thinking about now is, is how do we one help folks implement this? And then two is how do we build new champions for the profession for retirement savings and make them aware um, there's definitely provisions left out that we wanted, like long-term, there's some issues around long-term care that we wanted to have included. Um, of course, we always want folks to get more life insurance, So, but um, I think for us focusing in on implementation and building up champions, I think will probably be our focus in the next couple of years.
2: Okay. That's well, a- and Hold on. Mm-hmm. We are going, I mean, I, there will eventually be a 3.0, whether it's close enough to be called 3.0 or somebody else renames it. Uh, I don't, this is important. It's a valuable down payment like Secure 1.0 was, but it's not gonna fully solve the retirement savings gap. So there will be more work to do. And Jen mentioned a good point, the long-term care provision that's actually in Secure 2.0 was heavily negotiated and actually in the end doesn't provide very much of an incentive from the original bill that uh, Pat Toomey introduced and that FINSECA supported and helped him craft. And as uh, Steve Kane can tell us all, you know, LTC is one of the biggest growing issues over the next decade uh, in potentially every state in the union and everyone has a risk to mitigate in that regard. So I think there is more work there and uh, our holistic and retirement planning working group, if anybody's interested in getting involved or sending us an idea, is going to be working through what should FINSECA's two or three or four uh, priorities be for the next round of retirement security legislation.
1: Okay, that sounds great. Um, in our last few minutes, I just wanted to sort of pick your brains about what other legislation you, th- what else is on the on the table for 23 and, and moving forward, particularly as 2025 comes faster and, you know, we have the, the sunset and the Tax Cut and Jobs Act. When, do you anticipate there'll be any movement on that? Is it going to be kicked to the end? Just sort of wanted to pick your brains.
2: So I will let Jen talk about our plans to prepare for 2025. But uh, you know, the other thing that happens in a uh, divided government scenario, Kristen, is we see an increase in activity in the partisan states, and that's a um, there isn't a specific threat at the moment, but it's definitely something that we in the ACLI are watching very closely because there's when the divided government in, in Washington then the super red states do conservative things and the super blue states do progressive things. And sometimes those things can come in conflict. And like many partners, uh, businesses, it's not a single state or community, right? You operate across state lines and that's a serious flag. The other piece, of course, is the regulatory uh, regime at the federal level. And so uh, we're still working very heavily to try to prevent a new DOL fiduciary rule. Um, we're looking not only at specific proposals from the SEC, but also I'm increasingly concerned about the aggregate load of the SEC burden and whether that could ultimately just drive more consolidation, which consolidation in and of itself isn't bad, but if it's forced by regulatory burden, that's not a good thing from our perspective because we want small independents, new startups to be able to, to grow and thrive. Um, and then in the wealth transfer space, or uh, sorry, in the in the treasury space, we're still working on transfer for value RPS from 2017. Uh, we're watching very closely for anything they might do on 199 Cap A, the qualified business income, small business deduction. Um, and there are worrisome flags about them touching the or reopening the 409 CAFE regs on non-qualified for comp, which could be a huge, huge thing for that marketplace. So mm-hmm. uh, the regulatory state, principally SEC, DOL and Treasury are things that uh, that we're carefully watching. But Jen, uh, we got some new people to educate, right?
0: Yeah, so over 80 new members of Congress coming to DC that are waiting to be sworn in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see when they get sworn in. Uh, but of that, uh, we have like one or two folks that truly have connectivity to the profession. And so it's a lot of new people for us to educate. But as we d- d- um, dig deeper, the Ways and Means Committee, Kristen, you know, very important to the work that we do, Senate Finance, very important to the work that we do, Ways and Means is going to have 10 new Republicans joining the committee this year, um, up 25. So that's huge. Wow, that is huge. Um, so a lot of education to be done, not only with freshman members of Congress, but folks that are joining these key committees of jurisdiction. Uh, and you know, the work that I work do here at Fonseca, working with our ambassadors, is really to connect those dots and to make sure our members are a source of knowledge. The reason why I bring that up is as you look towards 2025, if we don't do this education now and folks don't understand the value of the work that our folks do, the partners, members do, that when we get to 2025, we're talking to them about estate tax, we're talking to them about Coley Bully and all of the other great things that we worked on. Fedzeca who? Life insurance who? Financial planning what? Um, versus now, if we have the connectivity, now is our time to really put our best foot forward and make sure we have an excellent foundation to build off of it in
1: 2025. Well, that's great. Thank you. So, um, in the email, we will certainly include your, your contact info. If you have anything about the advocacy ambassador program, we'd be happy to send it out so we can build up that connectivity that you were just talking about. Awesome. We appreciate it.
0: The last thing Chris and I would tell you to keep in mind is the Senate map in 2024 is messy um 10 uh, 11 depends on how you count them but 11 republicans we'll call them 20 democrats and three independents up um huge numbers there as well so you're going to see that really dictate a lot of the stuff we see up outcoming in 2020 2023
2: 2024 so even more important to be ambassadors now (laughs) The other other thing, Kristen, we can't, uh, I hope you'll allow the plug, but uh, I really hope all of our partners, financial folks are really looking at coming to the advanced markets meeting in 20 and in March 20th to 22nd in D.C. Uh, You're going to be doing a phenomenal breakout that I'm really excited to Mm -hmm. tune into. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we really are going to have the best uh, advanced markets content we've ever had uh, from all across distribution Um, And so that's really exciting around a whole bunch of different subjects. More to come on that. I know you're getting the emails, but we hope you get registered. That early bird rate expires January 24th.
1: Okay. Well, thank you so much. I look forward to seeing everybody in D.C. um, in March. And thank you all for your time
2: today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having us.